Chapter Two of the Great Diamond Syndicate. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona. The Great Diamond Syndicate by Nicholas Carter. Chapter Two Conflicting Clues. Once the young man opened his lips to reply to the question, but he changed his mind, evidently, and remained silent for a time. "'Give me time to think,' he said, after a pause. "'I don't seem to remember. "'Did you come up here before your mother and Mr. Maynard came up for the night?' "'Oh, yes, I heard them come up and go to their rooms. "'Did they engage in conversation?' "'They did not,' was the hesitating reply. "'To tell the truth, they were not on good terms with each other last night.' That makes this affair all the more terrible for mother. Do you know the nature of their quarrel? I do not. Did you leave your room for any purpose after they came up here? I did not. Until when? This morning. Then you went to Mr. Maynard's room? I went to mother's room first. You see, I had been attacked, and my first idea on regaining consciousness was that someone else might have been wounded. That was quite early? Just after daylight. Where did you find your mother? Lying on the floor. I placed her on the bed and went on to Mr. Maynard's room. I found him dead, as you know. Did you move the body? I did not. This with a shudder of horror. Were you dressed? I was not. I had just tumbled off the bed where I had fallen, or been thrown by the robbers. I think I had my trousers and socks on. That is all. You must understand that about this time I was hardly myself, and was laboring under strong excitement. I hardly know what I did after that. I remember of going to Charlie's room, and of hearing him cry out that the diamonds had been stolen. You know I had lain in an unconscious condition all night from this wound on my head. I asked that Sheriff Walton be sent for, and again became unconscious. Did you succeed in arousing your mother from her stupor? I called to the servants to assist her. How was she dressed? In a night robe. How about her feet? They were bare. Where was she taken, then? Directly downstairs. She was not able to walk about? Oh, no, she was carried down. Young Sautel closed his eyes as if from weariness, and... Quick as a flash, Nick lifted something from under the edge of the bed and thrust it into his pocket. Now, about the burglars, said the detective. Do you know about what time it was when they entered? I have no idea. What was the first sound you heard? I thought I heard a window rattle and arose to a sitting position. And then? I could see that there was someone in the room, and I sprang out of bed to get a revolver which I keep in the closet. You did not reach the closet? No, I met an iron knuckle and dropped to the floor. Did you visit the closet at all last night? No, I am sure that I did not. You caught no parting glimpse of the intruder's face? No, there were two. How do you know that? I could see two forms outlined against the window. You heard them moving about the room? Only for a moment. 
Did they make much noise in moving about? Very little. Nick now turned to the windows opening on the roof of the lean-to to the west. The structure was covered with a gravel roof, and during the reign of the night of the murder, little pools of water had formed. Into these, sand had been swept. Nick examined every one of these closely. In a moment, he called Chick to his side. Here is the autograph of one of the burglars, he said, pointing to an impression in one sandy pocket of the roof. Rubber shoes, said Chick. Exactly, with a tear in the sole of the right shoe. It ought to be easy enough to follow this fellow. Chick made a circuit of the little roof and came back to his chief. The cut in the shoe which shows there, he said, was made after the robber got to the roof. The tin strap which supports the eave trough at the west, where the ladder was raised, is broken, and Mr. Burglar stepped on the sharp, upturned edge. Nick descended the ladder, which remained as the robbers had left it, and walked around the grounds for a few moments, after which he returned to the west room. They came from the orchard, he said, and after the rain. The rain fell at two o'clock, said Chick. Nick turned to Sawtell. It is your notion that you were knocked down as soon as the thieves entered the room? he asked. Of course. Isn't it remarkable that Charlie was not awakened? He is a heavy sleeper. What did he say in the morning? I don't remember. The young man was becoming nervous and impatient, and Nick and his assistant left the room, first asking permission to return later and search for further traces of the burglars. In five minutes' time, however, the young man passed them in the hall and went downstairs. The detectives looked at each other in silence for a moment. "'He lies,' said Chick. "'Mr. and Mrs. Maynard did walk in the hall last night, after they were ready for bed, and he knows it, for he was not asleep. I say he was not asleep because he came out after them. Notice that the marks leading from his door are over the ones made by naked feet, and were therefore made last. "'That looks all right on the face of it,' replied Nick." "'but he says he passed through the hall this morning.' "'I overlooked that point,' said Chick. "'But, anyhow, he lied about the old people not moving about.' "'He might have been asleep,' said Nick. "'Don't jump at conclusions, my son.' Chick bent over the floor. "'What is it?' asked Nick. "'I am looking for the marks made by the burglars in passing "'from the rear room to the front one,' was the reply." An inscrutable smile appeared on the face of the detective. "'Look sharply,' he said. "'Perhaps you may be able to find what you are looking for.' Chick arose and faced his chief with excitement showing in his manner. "'They are not here,' he said. "'What does it mean?' "'There are the marks of the stocking feet,' suggested Nick. "'But these two sets of tracks are the same,' said the assistant, "'and were, of course, made by Anton.' "'You have, I think, the socks you wore last night in your pocket,' added Chick with a smile. "'Suppose we compare them with the tracks. "'You saw what I took from under the bed, then?' "'Certainly. I had had my eyes on them for some time.' Nick took the socks from his pocket. They fitted the tracks exactly. "'You see,' said Chick, "'the burglars never left that back room. "'Now, who murdered Alvin Maynard?' 
Who stole Charlie Maynard's diamonds? What Chick stated was the truth. There was no indication that the burglars had left the threshold of Anton's room. And yet the old man had been murdered at the other end of the hall, and the diamonds had been stolen from a room which could be reached only by way of the hall. Nick made no reply. Instead, he turned from the hall and entered the room from which the gems had been stolen. Everything was in order there. The diamonds had been taken from a trunk, and this stood near the head of the bed. The cover swung back against the wall. In the compartment at the right end of the till was a casket, the one in which, under coarser covering, the diamonds had been shipped to New York. Nick took out his glass and inspected the packing. Then he placed some of the cotton and some of the paper in his pocketbook. The trunk was of metal surface, and at the top of the box the iron had been worn through to the wood. Jagged edges of metal showed all along the edge of the box. On one of these edges Nick found a shred of pink wool, which he placed in his pocket with the other articles. Nick now entered the room which had been occupied by Mrs. Maynard, going directly to the dresser. "'What do you find?' asked Chick. "'Record of last night's proceedings,' was the reply. "'It is as plain as if written in ink. "'I have heard it said,' continued the detective, "'that no person can enter a room without leaving some evidence of the visit. "'This may be putting it too strongly.' but I am convinced that no person can commit a crime without leaving behind the record of the deed, as plain as printing, if only we know how to read the language in which it is written. That has often been proven, said Chick. The little right-hand drawer of the dresser stood half open, disclosing a collection of rumpled handkerchiefs of fine texture. The top of the dresser was half covered with toilet articles. There were powders and liquid preparations for the face and hands, and many other articles designed to keep the marks of advancing years from showing too plainly. Nick picked up a jar of yellowish paste and turned his glass on it. Then he took the piece of packing from his pocket. See here, he said. The woman went to Charlie's room last night, after all was still in the house, and took the diamonds and brought them to this room. Impossible, cried Chick. That silver-haired old lady a thief? Never! I did not say that she stole the gems, said Nick. I said that she brought them to this room. First, how do I know that she took them from the trunk? Notice this jar of toilet paste. When she got ready for bed, she used that on her hands and face, a common thing for women to do. Then, after her light was out, and after Charlie was in bed and asleep, she entered his room and took the diamonds from the casket. Chick listened with wonder showing in his eyes. "'I presume you know where all this points,' he said. "'I know that she extinguished the light before she left her room, because she groped her way in the darkness and felt along the door for the knob. She left traces of this toilet paste on the panels. She did the same thing in Charlie's room, groped her way in the darkness. More traces of the toilet paste on the door and on the trunk.' This shows that Charlie was not only in bed, but asleep. Lastly, she left traces of the paste on the packing from which she removed the gems. Poor old woman, said Chick. Wait a moment, said Nick. There is no knowing what her motive was. She brought the diamonds here and placed them in that little drawer at the right of the dresser. See, some of the packing clung to them. 
and it is still in the drawer. It seems to be a clear case, said Chick. But the diamonds did not remain in the drawer for any length of time, said Nick. Did you know Alvin Maynard in his lifetime? The assistant shook his head. Then you do not know what an inveterate snuff-taker he was. Well, he came in here last night, after the return of his wife, and removed the gems from that drawer. His fingers were soiled with snuff at the time, and he left traces of it on the handkerchiefs in the drawer. The handkerchiefs are also crumpled, showing that the diamonds were not taken out in a calm manner. I see, said Chick, more surprised than ever. Nick now went to the old lady's closet, which opened from the sleeping room, and came out with a pink night robe thrown over his shoulder. He attempted no explanation until they both stood in the front room, by the side of the bed whereon the dead man lay. It is certain that the old lady followed her husband to this room, Nick said, then, and that a quarrel took place here. Observe how the gathers are torn out at the neck of this night robe. It all ended in her being pushed down or falling in a faint. At any rate, the woman received her wound in this room, and not in the doorway of her own chamber, from the fist of a burglar, as she is said to claim. Nick walked over to a couch which stood by a front window. The head of the couch was composed of a straight, sharp-cornered piece of quarter-sawed oak, without upholstery of any kind on the edge. On the outer corner of his headpiece was a bruise and a stain of blood. It looks to me, said Chick, as if the burglary was a put-up job, and that the diamonds are still in the possession of some member of the Maynard family. Why, for instance, should the old lady lie about the way in which she received her wound, if all is on the level here? Nick smiled and pointed to the couch. No woman, he said, would admit a quarrel with her husband, much less a blow. It is therefore easy to understand why she lays the wound to the burglar. Besides, the diamonds she handled last night have been stolen, and it would be indiscreet for her to admit having them in her possession, even for a minute, just before the robbery. And, then, there is the murder. It is hard to believe that any member of the family would murder the old man. Nick turned to the bed again and regarded the body carefully. The blow which killed Maynard, he said, was not delivered while he lay or sat on the bed. The body was placed there after the blow was struck, and what blood came from the fatal wound was wiped away. We ought to find traces of that somewhere here. There you are, cried Chick. No burglar would stop to place a victim on the bed, or to wipe away the blood. Now, how is your theory? The woman was revived here, said Nick for this night robe is still damp, so her son did not find her unconscious in a room this morning, as he claims. I wonder how Anton got along with his stepfather, asked Chick. They never had any trouble that I know of, replied Nick. It is my notion, said Chick, that, as you say, the woman was revived in this room, and also that she witnessed the murder. Yet, according to all accounts, she says nothing of it, which is unnatural, unless it is true that the murderer is known to her and entitled to her protection. And, another thing, both Anton and his mother know more about the doings of last night than they are willing to admit, and they will remain under suspicion in my mind until several points are cleared up. Nick made no reply. There was a lot of sense in what his assistant said, 
and yet he was not ready to admit the truth of his deductions. He returned to Anton's room and entered the closet, which the young man had stated he had not visited the night before. While Nick searched in the closet, Chick remained by the outer door leading into the hall. Presently he heard soft steps at the front of the building. Whoever was moving about there was doing so with attempt at secrecy. As the assistant stood listening, the rustle of skirts was added to the sound of the footsteps. The steps seemed to enter the east room, where the body lay, to return to the hall, pass into Charlie's room, across into the old lady's room. Nick came to the door of the closet and pointed toward the hall. "'Watch there,' he said. "'You know a girl came up here a little while ago and ducked away as soon as discovered. This may be the same one.' Chick darted down the hall and entered the old lady's room. Standing in the middle of the floor, there he saw a rather pretty girl— with black hair and eyes and regular features. She was tall and slender, and seemed to be about twenty years of age. She curtsied and blushed as Chick entered the room. "'What do you want here?' asked Chick. "'You are the famous Nick Carter?' asked the girl, speaking in French, a language which Chick understood perfectly. "'Why are you here?' continued Chick. "'And why were you here a short time ago?' I was not here a short time ago, was the reply, and I come now at the command of my mistress. Why should you say I was here a short time ago, when I have been with my sick mistress all morning? End of chapter 2 Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona